Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, this morning, I'm going to uh, focus on um, actually just a couple words from a passage in Matthew 6, <clears throat> beginning with uh, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, since last week was Father's Day, uh, I felt it fitting to kind of focus today's study on God the Father. And uh, this bit of scripture is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, although some refer to it as the, the Disciples' Prayer because this is where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, and um, it was an example that he gave them. And um, I think it's also imperative that we recognize that Jesus instructed the disciples to pray like this, not to just repeat this particular prayer. And as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about a funeral I went to oh, within the last year or so, where at the funeral, the Lord's Prayer was recited. And one, how, um, how monotone, how lifeless the prayer was. It, it's just our Father that art in heaven. It was very, there wasn't anything to it. It was just recited, like like reciting, not even reciting poetry, just reciting something. And then, two, how um, knowing many of the people in the room um, that I know aren't professing believers, how they knew it. You know, they, they knew the words to it, and so it was more, again, like just some something that you say at certain times, and it, it really didn't have any meaning. And so I think that can be a warning to us. It's a very good prayer. It's it's what the Lord taught the disciples about a way to prayer, but it, a way to pray, but it should, it should be on our minds that he's teaching them a, about an attitude of prayer, and that these words have have deep, deep meaning, um, but just reciting them over and over, you kind of lose the meaning. So I, I think that's important for us to just have on our mind. So Jesus was demonstrating the proper attitude with which we should approach our Heavenly Father. And as I said, um, given last week, last weekend was a Father's Day, this is just kind of uh, what I was thinking, I'm going to focus on really two words from this. Um, and they're in that the first part of the prayer there, our Father, our Father in heaven. So um, let's look at that, our Father. 
If we look at the word our, it denotes that we cannot be selfish about God. He is not something we created to worship by ourselves. God is the creator of all things. So that's an important aspect, that one word there. It, it's, it's showing this lack of selfishness. Uh, John 1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Uh, so we know that God is the creator of all things. Okay, he, He's created everything. Um, we also have an imperative to share the good news of God throughout the world. Uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Um, I can remember when my oldest daughter was maybe two years old, and uh, we were at a hotel somewhere, and uh, their grandpa was out in the parking lot, and we're looking out the window at, at him. And so I picked up my nephew, who's a couple years older, held on to him and said, hey, look, look at Grandpa. And uh, my daughter just threw an absolute fit that I was picking up my nephew and not picking up her. And uh, she, she was screaming and crying and jumping on me, and it was because I was her daddy and nobody else's. Okay, so it was that selfish attitude. That's my daddy. That's not his daddy. That's my daddy. And I think sometimes that is how we look at our father and the grace he has given us. Um, you know, sometimes I don't want to invite him to my church. I don't want to tell her about my father's saving grace. It becomes more of a, that's my father in heaven. That's, that's my God. That's not our father. It becomes a selfish attitude about it. Um, but let us not forget that it is by grace alone, through faith in God's true son, Jesus Christ, that any of us have been given the right to be called children of God. Uh, so, again, this attitude, that first word, uh, it's just teaching us selfishness has no place in the kingdom of God. And Jesus taught self-denial through both word and action. Um, we see that in multiple places, uh, Matthew 16, where he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh, Philippians 2 says, uh, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Um, the point here is, when approaching the throne room of God through prayer, the attitude that pleases our Father is selflessness. So that's the point here, that, that, that word, our, is denoting the selflessness. Um, the next word, Father, it gives us the subject of our prayers. Um, God is our Father. Uh, God is also the father to all humanity in the sense that he is the creator. Um, but you'll also hear often that, especially in uh, uh, liberal theology, you'll hear, we're all God's children. You know, it's just this blanket statement. Everyone is, you know, a child of God, and so we should respect and love each other regardless of what everyone's beliefs are and everything like that. Um they're correct in the sense that God is the father of all humanity in that general sense. Uh, in Acts 17, 28, um, Paul uses this when he's speaking on Mars Hill. He's actually quoting some of the um, Greek poets at that time. Um, 
he says, uh, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So there is a, there's a reality that, yes, God is the father of all because we're all image bearers of God. Okay, Man was made in the image of God. So, but that should, that should get our thinking. That should, that should really clarify why, um, why Christ is so important, why, why the message of salvation is so important. Um, the Bible is very clear that there's a distinct dichotomy in spiritual paternity. So while we're all made by the same creator, made in the image of God, we're all made to glorify him. And so the reality is there is a dichotomy. Um, if we look at John eight forty-two through 47... And I move around a lot. I'm sorry. John eight forty two. Jesus said to them, "If God were your father, and this is to the to the Pharisees, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me." Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So it's showing this clear di- dichotomy, a spiritual dichotomy of, of children of God, children of, of righteousness versus children of Satan, children of wrath. And so um, also as I was going back through my notes, I noticed that in the section of scripture we were we were looking at to begin with in Matthew 6 5 through 7 as he's teaching them to pray as he's setting it up he's giving the dichotomy there in the in the intro he talks about when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and so that's one side the hypocrites standing in the in the synagogues but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father. So he's setting up this dichotomy. The hypocrites are, are standing out there. They're, they're saying things, but they're not saying things to the father. Whereas you go and you do it in secret and you do it to the father. And then he sets up again the dichotomy. The Gentiles say it over and over and over again, thinking somebody will hear them. But you go and you be direct and you ask him for what's necessary. You go to the father. And so, again, he's setting up this dichotomy, this, this real dichotomy that there are those that are of God and those that aren't. So Jesus says that we're either children of Satan or children of God. Um, my dad used to always say, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever, I, I'm, yeah, I know, there's the song, This Is My Father's World. Well, he would, he would sing that, only he'd sing, I am my father's son. And I didn't really understand it. I didn't really get it until um, I had my own children. And I started doing things that were 
that were like what my father did when I was a child, like uh, telling really goofy jokes, um, making the making kissing sounds whenever you saw a movie and somebody was kissing on a movie, um, trying to embarrass my kids in front of their friends, those sorts of things. Um, I I saw that um, I was very similar to my father, so <laughs> uh, I didn't get it whenever whenever I didn't have that reference there. But likewise, Jesus is declaring that sonship is affirmed, not earned by conduct. So our behaviors, thoughts, and deeds will imitate those of our Father. So uh, Ephesians 5.1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. There's no middle ground, no spiritual neutrality, no spiritual free agency, uh, meaning you're allowed to choose which way or the other, you're either slaves to sin and sons of Satan or slaves to righteousness and sons of God. Um, Romans 6, uh, 16 through 18 uh, talks about that. Uh, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You were once slaves of sin, and you've become obedient from the heart. So it's not you've become obedient and it changes your heart. The heart has been changed, and you've become obedient. And so you're, you are, um, your behaviors, your thoughts, and deeds are imitating your new father. Um. Let's look at Romans eight fourteen through 15. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And again, Paul uses the Aramaic word Abba here, which is identical to Daddy in our language. Um, my kids still call me Daddy, and I still like it. Um, in the in the Lord's Prayer, um, it says "Father," and the it was written in Greek, and it says "Pater," but Jesus probably used Aramaic in speaking because that was the common tongue, so he most likely said "Abba" there. Um, regardless, it's key. Um, our Father is our Daddy. He called us out of sin. He adopted us. He gives us His grace, mercy, and love. It's a it's a very it's not a formal way of looking at God. It's a very personal way of looking at God. God our Father. He's our Daddy. He, he cares so much about us that he adopted us through grace, mercy, and love. Um, I am getting to a point with all of this. <laughs> uh, just My dad went down to Alabama to help out after Hurricane Katrina, and one of the old ladies who was there um, that they were helping she about had a heart attack whenever she asked him his name, and he said, Steve Thornhill. And she goes, I never met a Thornhill that you could trust. <laughs> and, and my dad quipped back to her, neither have I. <laughs> um, and then he said she was really beside herself when he asked if, if he could pray with her at the end. Um, 
And likewise, when I first started working for the Department of Conservation, it was actually my very first time out. I was kind of in training, my very first time out. I met with a landowner to look at his pond, and I introduced myself, told him I was Darren Thornhill, and he said, hmm, are you a good Thornhill or a bad Thornhill? <laughs> kind of like in Wizard of Oz, you know, are you a good witch or a bad witch? I'm like, well, I think a good Thornhill. <laughs> but uh, the point is, you don't get to choose the family you were born into. Nobody does. We don't choose who we're born into. We are all born into sin as sons of Satan, but it is God, our daddy, who adopts us into his family. He is our daddy first because he chose us. Um, in Romans 9.25, it says, As indeed he says in Hosea, Those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who was not beloved I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. As God, he's our daddy. He chooses us. He chose us. He chose the those who are saved. He chose them. Um, the next thing is, God is our daddy because he loves us. Uh, I don't think I really understood how much my dad loved my brothers and I until I became a father myself. Uh, all those long hours dad worked, all of those times he would skip lunches and breaks to make one of our games. Um, all of those times he would work early. In, he, would, he would go in to work early in the morning after being kept awake by sick kids all night long. Um, they were really meaningless to me until I experienced it as a father myself. And in reality, um, I think we only get a tiny glimpse of how much our father truly loves us. Uh, it says now we only see in a mirror dimly, and, and I think that's true. We get a, we get a, a little bit, just a glimpse of how much love he has for us, but we in no way have the real depth of that love. Uh, Angie often says, your, your children will never love you as much as you love them. And um, I think there's truth in that. I was sitting there thinking about, I love my parents, but then I was watching my kids, and I'm like, I love my children. You know, there's just a, a real depth. You just know how much you would sacrifice, and you just, it's hard to understand that other relationship. And so I think the same can be said of our relationship with God. He loves us with a love deeper and truer than we could ever fathom. So he's our daddy because he loves us. Um, he's also our daddy because he disciplines us. First um, John 4, 7 through 11 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. Um, in this love of God we have made, was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. Um, as far as God disciplining us, uh, did you ever want to be in somebody else's family as a kid? I mean, be honest. <laughs> of course you did. I mean, it always seemed it always seemed like the grass was greener on the other side. I mean, you never really understood how how good you had it. Everything was comparative, and you always saw the negative on your side and the positive on the other. And I can remember I had this friend in in uh, 
grade school growing up that uh, he had every toy a young boy could desire. He had a four-wheeler, video games. He had every, every time a new video game system would come out, he had it. And it seemed like it was a month before anybody else had it. And this was, you know, well before eBay and the Internet and all that. Um, he had a BB gun. He had freestyle bikes. He had everything. And he could stay up as late as he wanted. When, we went over, when I went over to spend the night at his house, we could stay up till 1 in the morning. It was just unbelievable. And he seemed to talk to his parents however he wanted without any consequences. And in my home, I felt like all we ever did was cut wood, build fence, mow, and paint. <laughs> but I didn't understand that, and then clarity, you know, hindsight, seeing where his relationship with his parents went, um, just seeing that, I didn't understand that once I had my own children um, and began raising them in the fear of the Lord, that that discipline was a way of showing them I love them. And discipline was a way of showing that he loved me. Um, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, I'm sure all parents in here have read that with their parents. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So God is our daddy because he disciplines us. It's a, it's a sign of his love for us. He's, he's refining us. He is, he's making us more in the image of Christ daily. And, and we should want that. We should desire it. Sometimes it is just, it's just awful. But looking back, it was so it was such a blessing those those things you went through we were uh, thinking about um, the time we spent in the hospital with our youngest and just how difficult that was. but then now looking at others who have what I consider just far worse times with their children and medical situations, and you really have that empathy and you're able to share able to share god's love with them able to share in their difficulties, and you see how God used that to just refine you, to discipline you, to, to make you more Christ-like. And so um, uh, it's, it's something to, that's difficult to be thankful for at that time, but, but praise God that he does that. Um, so the point here is um, that we can approach the throne room of God in prayer with confidence uh, because God our Father is our Daddy, and he chose us, he loves us, and he disciplines us. And, and I think that's important, important to look at. Again, that, that when we say our Father, we're not just saying some sort of, he's our Father and we're down here, and, and it's just some sort of separate, you know, um, political or whatever viewpoint it is it's a reality that he loves us he says he's our daddy um, and and he's proved it over and over and over and uh, um, again those are just the first two words of that uh, that whole prayer there but I think that sets the tone for the rest of it as to as to why we're praying why we're while we're going to to our Father in prayer. Um, I read something, uh, just thinking about it, the only time that Jesus ever 
spoke to the father without saying my father, without saying that was when he was on the cross in agony and separation. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every other time he called him my father, my father. And that's a, that's a reality of, of when you're separated from him, you don't have that relationship, that, that daddy-son, that daddy-daughter relationship. But, but being in connection with him, being um, in a right relationship with him, you're able to call to him, and, uh, and he loves you. So um, I'd like to close with uh, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are, that we should be called children of God. And it says, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we will know that when he appears we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Let's pray. Father, may you just give us a glimpse of your love, your just unfathomable love, Lord that it says that uh, we, we love not because, we love because you first loved us, Lord. And that's a reality that it's you, it's you that, that chose to love us, that in our wrath and our spoiled temper tantrums, that, that you chose to give your son as, uh, a sacrifice for our sins, Lord, to adopt us into the family of righteousness, to pull us from that mire of, of self, and to clean us up and to clothe us in Christ's righteousness, Lord. Um, may that be constantly on our minds as we, as we go forward into the world to share your love, Lord, that it may not be from a standpoint of uh, self-righteousness or, or any of that, Lord, but that knowing that we were mere sinners, mere just people who were lost and didn't know we were lost, and that it was you that reached down and plucked us out, Lord, and that that's why we share the good news. It's because... We know how good it is. We know how good you are and how good your love is, Lord. Uh, we just thank you for uh, this day you've given us, a day to uh, have rest in you. And uh, may we uh, come together as a, as a family, Lord, and just honor you and glorify you. And take it from this building out into the every corner of the world, Lord. In the name of your precious Son, Jesus, we pray, Lord. Amen.